Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. How do I navigate not tracking my food? I've deleted my fitness pal. I just want to love myself. The What's Eating You podcast is a series of mental health topics that are designed to make you think, learn, educate, and validate. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the What's Eating You podcast with your resident host and psychologist, Stephanie Giorgio, known as Mind Food Steph on social media. Welcome today. I'm really excited for this episode, right? I know we talk about personal health, growth, development, but today we're going to talk about not tracking food and still loving yourself. Now, this is a contentious topic and I was even speaking about it with my friends, with my partners this week because partner, I have one, but my friends, because macro counting and calorie counting has a lot of noise around it, okay? And usually this behavior can get obsessive for people. It can perpetuate eating disorders, but it can also be a very healing experience for others. So I want to acknowledge this spectrum and talk a little bit about it. Now, tracking food has become popular. A lot of people are doing it, especially those who want to lose weight, start a wellness journey, or maintain a healthy diet. However, the constant tracking of food can be exhausting and it can lead to an unhealthy relationship with food. Our bodies are not a machine and we should love ourselves regardless. And a lot of people who listen to my content have been through restrictive eating, eating disorders, all the above, and they are wanting to reach peace with their body and with their life and ultimately move away from tracking. For this particular question, this comes from our Psychology Sunday viewer on my Instagram And firstly, I'd like to congratulate you for being self-aware enough to realize that calorie counting is not a wise move for you. This takes guts and bravery because in a world that normalizes calorie counting, it actually takes a lot to be that one to stand out and say, you know what, that's not for me. That's too triggering. That's too restrictive. That does not work. And I don't want you or anyone to think you're a failure because of this, because a lot of people may think I should be able to do it. 
Why isn't it easy for me? And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. So congrats on realizing this. You've tried it and you know it's not a good experience for you at this season of your life. What is it? MFP, My Fitness Pal, is a program you can get on your iPhone. I've used it and you track your food intake. So you search for a food, it tells you how many calories are in there and also the macros. Now this can also be called macro counting. So macro counting is a popular method of tracking your macronutrient intake, which is essentially the amount of protein, carbs, and fats in the food that you eat. And then when you add all this up, it leads to your calories. Now, while macro counting can be an effective way to reach a specific health and fitness goal, it does have advantages and disadvantages. Now, I myself found macro counting very healing for me back in the day, and I'll tell you why. The first advantage of it is it educates you about food. Now, whether you have an eating disorder or not, it can also work the other way. So I want to acknowledge there is a spectrum. There is a spectrum where calorie and macro counting can serve an effective purpose in a particular season of your life. If you have an event coming up, if you are a competitive bodybuilder, it can be a useful tool. However, if you were using this and you are struggling with an eating disorder and your life is greatly impacted by tracking calories and counting macros and you don't enjoy it and you hate it and you don't want to do it, then obviously it's on the other end of the spectrum. So I invite you to just reflect on your own situation right now. Where are you at with potential calorie or macro counting? Is it something you have done in the past? Is it a tool that you use now? Is it a tool you kind of go on and off on? Is it ruining your life? Has it helped you in some way? Let's talk about the advantages of it first. Number one is it's personalized nutrition. So macro accounting, it helps you personalize your nutrition according to your needs and goals. So for example, if you say, you know what, I really want to start eating more fiber. By tracking your food, you can actually find out how much fiber you're having. Same as with carbohydrates. You know what, I want to build muscle, so I need to eat more protein or carbs. So it can help you by enabling you to see how many calories or macronutrients you are tracking that can help you with your goals. And the goals may be muscle gain, athletic performance, digestion, fiber, weight loss, etc. The second advantage of macro counting is that it increases your awareness of the nutritional content of the food you eat. So for me, back when I had an eating disorder, I just thought if I eat broccoli, salmon, chicken, and almonds, I'm going to lose weight because that's healthy and that's healthy eating. And this was really back in the orthorexic days as well, where everyone's like, just eat clean, just eat gluten-free, just eat dairy-free. But I didn't know I was eating 500 grams of fat a day, right? So eating super clean, eating super healthy doesn't necessarily mean you're healthy or you're going to lose weight. Okay. And it wasn't until I actually macro counted in my early, early days that it built my awareness. And I realized, oh my gosh, I eat so many fats, but I don't eat any carbohydrates. This can't be good. And I really struggled with my energy levels. So for me, it was really healing in that 
it said, Steph, you need to eat this many carbs a day to maintain your weight. And when you have an eating disorder, your perception of how much you should be eating is very skewed. You often think you're eating too much. You often think you're not eating enough. And even if you don't have an eating disorder, many women listening to this, you are in this category too. I know that you think you eat too much, but you don't. (laughs) You do not. Many women are tired and exhausted and easily frustrated because they're simply not eating enough or not eating enough carbohydrates or fats or protein or whatever it may be. So number two, the increased awareness, it can help you make different choices and improve your dietary habits and build your awareness around food. The third thing is flexibility. Rather than being on a strict diet or meal plan, it's a flexible approach to nutrition. Some people call it flexible dieting, and it allows individuals to include all types of food in their diet whilst achieving their goals. So essentially, you can literally eat a Big Mac or you can have broccoli and chicken. As long as it, quote unquote, fits within your macros, then apparently you're going to see the result that you want to see. Obviously, a burger may make you feel different to eating chicken and broccoli, but using this method can actually help mitigate really restrictive eating because it's normalizing that you can still eat what you want as long as it's within these specific parameters and see a result. And the last advantage is accountability. It helps you stay accountable for your food choices and it's a clear metric and can help you feel motivated to stick to your goals. What we measure, we can manage, and it gives you structure, it gives you routine, etc. Now, all of these are all good and well, as long as you're good and well, right? If you have an eating disorder, this may not apply to you. I want to say, yes, all the fitness coaches out there saying that tracking food is not an eating disorder and macro counting is not an eating disorder. I hear you, but for some people, it is, and it perpetuates disordered eating. Let's talk about it. The disadvantages of macro or calorie counting is that it is time consuming, right? You have to weigh everything. You have to put it in the app. You have to adjust it. And I know what people are thinking. Yeah, but if you just do it in advance, it's not as time consuming. It's time consuming. Okay. I remember one day I sat down and I said, Steph, I want you to add up all the time you spend on health related activities in your life. How much time do you spend driving to the gym? How much time do you spend at the gym? How much time do you spend driving home? How much time do you spend tracking your food? How much time do you spend doing this? Exercise alone was easily over nine hours a week. And I asked myself, what would I do with extra nine hours a week? What would I do with an extra five hours a week? Add up how much time this costs you, right? Because time is the most valuable currency. And If it's not working, if you've been struggling with disordered eating or an eating disorder for a long time, you got to really ask yourself, why am I doing this? Am I hoping one day it's going to stick? Am I hoping I'm just going to lose weight by doing it loosely or just, you know, freestyling it? Why are you actually doing it? Because yes, it is extremely time consuming and it is a full time job. And if you have kids, if you have loved ones, if you're busy, you're going to maybe end up resenting it because it is taking up so much of your life. The second disadvantage of macro counting is obsessive behavior. And this is what a lot of people will report to me is that they become obsessed with it. 
especially people in disordered eating world, they tend to have very black and white thinking, very perfectionistic ways, and macro counting can lead to obsessive behavior around food and result in an unhealthy relationship with food. And so many influencers in the health and fitness industry who advocate for this will also say, I used to be obsessed. It can create an environment where individuals become overly focused on hitting their macronutrient targets and it can lead to anxiety around eating. You become too scared to eat out. You become too scared to cook because you think, you know what, logging all this, tracking all this, weighing all this, that's annoying. So I'm just going to eat this other decision instead. The third thing is inaccuracy. Macro counting, it's not always accurate. Some people put, uh, what's the word? foods in there that don't really add up to what they're meant to add up. And my friend, who's a health and fitness coach, he actually said to me, Steph, did you know that labels are allowed to be up to 20% inaccurate? This is labels on food, something around that statistic. So the health and food industry, all the labels, all the calories, all the scanning, there is error. So it's not exactly accurate. So you can think that you're being really strict and you're logging all this food, but do know that it's not always accurate. Factors such as cooking methods, portion size, food quality can have an astronomical difference on the results. And the last thing is it's not sustainable in the long term. It takes a lot of time, effort, attention, which can be challenging to maintain over time. Are you going to carry a scale to the restaurant with you? Are you just never going to eat out? Now, I want you to reflect, where are you on this spectrum? You may say to me, Steph, I'm a figure competitor. I need to go to extremes. I know people who have competed who will take scales out. And that looks so disordered and so time consuming and inappropriate. However, I do believe that for certain seasons for people's life, that type of behavior may serve a purpose, okay, if they're competing, but it's the duration, it's the impact on your life that this has and the severity of that impact. So where are you on the spectrum? Have you tracked in the past? Are you curious about macro tracking? Do you hate it? Does it trigger you? This person who wrote in this message said they've deleted the app and I want to love myself. So I'm not sure if this person was on a weight loss journey. I'd probably say yes, but I love this. I love that they're trying something different and it's so important to try something different. Which brings me to my next reflection question. What is your goal? Are you wanting to love yourself regardless of what you eat? Are you wanting to build a healthier relationship with food? Are you wanting to cultivate more balance? Are you wanting to just not track because that takes up so much mental energy and time? Are you wanting to lose weight? And then I want you to ask yourself, isn't the right season in my life for this goal? I have so many girls who have an eating disorder or disordered eating and they want to lose weight. And I get it. I get it. You think losing weight is going to build your self-esteem, solve your problems, And yes, short term it may, but weight change is not fat loss, okay? So if you step on the scale after restricting and it's less, you may not have even lost fat. 
it's basically water weight on a day-to-day basis. This is why the scales are so inaccurate. And one of my friends is a nutritionist and a health and fitness coach. And he'll even say, if you really want to get specific, use a tape measure and measure yourself every single day for a week. And then you average that over the week. If you really want to see if your body has changed, he fully does not believe in your weight on the scale. And he's also a competitive bodybuilder. Let's talk a little bit about weight loss. Okay. Weight loss is not going to fix your disordered eating or eating disorder, especially in the long term, because the way you're trying to lose that weight is not sustainable. And more often than not, the reason you go up and down, up and down is because you're probably losing water weight. Remember, weight change doesn't mean fat loss, just like weight increase doesn't mean fat gain. Okay. Heal your eating disorder first. Heal your disordered eating first. Build a healthy relationship with food. Lay off the calorie counting. Lay off the goal of trying to lose weight. Make that goal to overcome disordered eating behaviors and patterns. Will you gain weight? Maybe, but more often than not, you won't because you're actually healing your metabolism. I remember there was a creator, I think her name was Stephanie Butterworth, and she went on this all-in journey where she was going to heal her relationship with food. And she just ate and ate and ate till she was satisfied. And then once her body hit that set point, she could then healthily go back to whatever her goal was. Now, let's talk about weight loss. If you don't have a disordered eating or you're not in an eating disorder, you do not need to count calories to lose weight. And this information comes from doctors and nutritionists. Right? We all know that weight loss comes down to being in an energy deficit and energy is measured in calories. However, as I said, you shouldn't be on a weight loss journey if you have an eating disorder. You have to heal first. For me, I had to accept myself 10 kilos heavier. I had to accept myself at my lowest. I had to do life from that starting point without trying to change myself. And if you go listen to the other episode on I forced myself to date when I was, when I felt my ugliest and biggest. That's going to help you understand that more. Now, weight loss without an eating disorder. This takes time. I am talking years. You have to set a realistic goal, especially if you want to live a sustainable life and soul. Yes, you will need to potentially be in a calorie deficit, burning off more energy than you're taking in. But it doesn't mean you have to count calories. You can learn to live a healthier life. You can learn to nurture your soul, but you don't need to be so restrictive about it. Because guess what? It's not for everyone. Calorie counting is not for everyone, especially if you've got mental health stuff going on, ADHD, right? They struggle with organization, planning, all of that. Whereas some people with ADHD, may really like it because it gives them structure and routine. So everyone is different. So it's about figuring out what blueprint works for you. When I work with people, the first thing we do is we say three meals and two to three snacks a day. I don't care what you eat. I don't care how much you eat. This is how we're going to start to build balance in your life. Okay. So 
This message is from a personal trainer and they basically say if calorie counting exacerbates disordered eating or disordered behavior, stay away from it. You don't need to force yourself to do it, right? You're not a robot. And I want to factor in, yes, weight loss, energy in versus energy out. It's not that simple. There are people with many underlying issues, hormones, thyroid, body trauma, all of that. So I don't want to simplify it as much when we come down type 1 diabetes, whatever it might be. So to answer this question, how do we move away from MyFitnessPal and food tracking? Number one is identify your goal. What's your goal? Is it not to track for a week initially, for a month? Is your ultimate goal to intuitively eat? Now, you'll need to come back to this reason and purpose, especially when times are tough. So write it down where you can see it. I'll give you an example. Sometimes I need to remind people of their goal. Uh, People specifically with OCD, their goal might be to never get sick. And then that's what's perpetuating the compulsions. But then I say, hey, reminder, our goal is to minimize behaviors that make you anxious. And it can be a whole revelation. So what is your goal? Write it down. I'd like to start with eating three meals and two to three snacks. If you're trying to move away from it, try not to change what you eat or how much you eat. Just try to have some structure in how often you eat, right? Now, step two is I recommend increasing awareness around hunger cues and learning to nourish yourself. And I understand it. Eat what you want, food freedom, but the reality is If you're just going to eat a Mars bar for lunch, you're probably going to be hungry. So Dr. Bob Posner, a physician specializing in weight loss and emotional eating, says to try to the approach of tracking portions of food groups rather than calories. I like this idea. So for example, your goal might be, I'm going to have three to four servings of protein a day or two servings of fruit and veggies, eat as much as you want, etc and use that guideline of three meals and two to three snacks a day. So essentially, increase your cues around hunger. Start to notice when you're hungry. Start to notice what foods make you feel the most satiated. For me, once a holistic health personal trainer practitioner said to me, you know, each of your meals should include a fat, a protein, a carb. And this has been life-changing for me because it takes the emotion out and I know that when I eat something that has fat, that has carbs, that has protein, and it doesn't have to be healthy, it means maybe I'm going to eat my chocolate with yogurt and peanut butter, right? Maybe I'm going to have my chicken with some rice, etc. And this has honestly changed the game for me because it helps me stay satiated. So the next step is learning to listen to your bodies. And this can be really hard. If you've been tracking food for a long time or using MyFitnessPal for ages, you literally can forget how to eat like a regular human again. And I say that lightly. What I mean by that is this one time I went out for lunch and I I hadn't gone out to eat in ages. I just was eating the same foods every day because that minimizes decision fatigue. And then I went out and this food tasted so good. And we got all these share plates 
And I just went for it. I felt like Augustus Glump in that <laughs> when he was drinking the river. And I was so full by the end of it. And I realized I have forgotten how to intuitively eat. I'd been eating on such a structured, not a structured program, but I'd been eating so structurally that when it came to freestyling, I didn't know how to do it. And I literally rolled out of that restaurant and there were parts of me that wanted to feel bad or guilty or surprised. Like, Steph, it's been years and years and now you've fallen into this. And then I remind myself, it's not about what happens. It's about how you deal with it. So I just said, you know what? I'm overly full because I haven't freestyle eaten like this in ages and it's going to pass. You're going to feel uncomfortable, but let it be. What's the word from Frozen? Let it go. Let it go. And yeah. What am I talking about? That's right. Listening to your hunger cues. And this can be hard when you first start because our bodies are incredibly intelligent and they give us cues on when to eat and what to eat. But if you've been out of the intuitive eating game for a while, getting back into it can feel really scary and you don't know where to start. So that's why I think the three meals and two to three snacks can be a really good guideline for you to use. So the second step or the fourth step, I've lost count of the steps, is give yourself grace and practice self-love. As I mentioned earlier, after years of being quote-unquote recovered, I have episodes, of course I do, where I overeat or I haven't intuitively eaten or I'm eating emotionally, and that's okay. I give myself grace and I practice self-love. It's important to know that perfection is not attainable and it's not even about slipping up. I always believe there's something beneficial to learn, right? I always say make a binge beneficial. If you learn from it, it's proactive. It's good for you. It's beneficial. And say, it's okay. I'm learning how to do this. I'm learning how to nourish my body. I'm not going to get it perfect in the first go. And don't forget, Make sure you're incorporating your movement because yoga, walking, dancing, these activities boost your serotonin, your dopamine, and they help you feel good about your mental health as well as your physical health. And then when it comes to moving away and loving yourself, self-love comes to your internal dialogue. Stop telling yourself you're fat. Stop telling yourself you're disgusting. Stop telling yourself you're not going to meet anyone. Stop telling yourself you need to lose weight to find love. Stop. You have to retrain your brain. Yes, not tracking is one part of it, but it has to come with the cognitions, right? You can buy a really nice car, but if it doesn't have the proper infrastructure, it's not going to drive. So I teach you how to do this in Unchain Your Brain, which is an online course I have that helps you rewire negative thoughts about yourself and ultimately neuroplasticity takes place. So if you're curious about Unchain Your Brain, you can grab it from the link in my bio, but it is amazing and you have lifetime access to it. And the final thing is surround yourself with people who are not in the dieting weight loss whirlwind. This was an experience for me that ultimately changed my life. I started hanging out with people on Instagram who loved food as much as I did, but they weren't dieting culture minded. They just love food. So we went out, we had pancakes and it was so healing because all the foods were normalized. So surround yourself with people who aren't obsessing about weight, 
who aren't obsessing with their body, who just want to self-grow and improve. And social media can be a great place to find these people, right? Follow social media accounts that promote self-love and body positivity. Because remember, what you expose yourself to is ultimately what you believe, what you become, what you value. And your values are so important. If you enjoyed this episode, please let me know on Instagram. If you've struggled with calorie counting and you've moved away from it and you found self-love, let me know what tips were useful for you. And of course, I always appreciate your questions every Sunday. Don't forget to submit your question on my stories on Psychology Sunday. I will see you in the next episode. Take care. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.